Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, we've got the other lore columnist from Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello. Hi. Uh, our other columnist focuses on Shaman, but he's so well-versed in lore. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Buenos dias. ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> Muy bien. ¿Y tú? Anyway, um... That's about as much, much Spanish as I know. I Like two years <laughs> in high school and that was it. I didn't even take Spanish in high school. I took Latin. Did you? Yeah. We didn't have Latin when I was in high school. We had Spanish, French, or German, one or the three. See, I took Latin, but my last name's Perez. So. Yes, Ta-da! See, there you go. And I took, I took Spanish because um, living in Colorado we ran into more people that spoke Spanish than we did people that spoke French or German. So I figured it would be useful. It has come in useful, but that's beside the point. Anyway. So, uh, how are you guys doing? How's your week been? Let's not talk about my week. Let's talk about Joe's week. Okay, Joe, how's your week been? (laughs) I have been painting all of the things. I'm currently working on an orc who thinks he's Napoleon. Napoleon orc may be my favorite thing ever. Napoleon orc. Napoleon orc. That's fantastic. Is this this isn't a Warcraft orc? I'm assuming it's like Warhammer or something. Uh it is a generic fantasy orc. So it generic D and D fantasy fake. However, I am proud to say that I do have a uh, a little um, Garrosh Hellscream bust being delivered. Awesome! So I'm going. Somebody 3D printed me one. Uh, wow! And it's going to be sending it to me because they saw my tweets about hey. You really like orcs. I have a 3D printer. Here's a garage. It's like, okay, thank that's, you. That's pretty amazing. Man, I wish they'd pop one of those my way. I mean, <laughs> I don't know anything about painting, but I like garage. So, uh, Rossi, I know that your past week has been like full of eye things and stuff like that, but have you gotten anything done games wise? Or, uh, well, I mean, I've gotten a four year old game done a lot. So, yeah. Woo hoo. <laughs> I've. 
I went back to Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect, dug out my very first Mass Effect character, the one I didn't finish because I hated um, the biotic system in Mass Effect so much. Yeah. Played him through Mass Effect 1, did like, you know, bring down the sky and all that. Right. Then imported him to Mass Effect 2 because they're all, all three Mass Effect games are now available on Xbox One. They made them all backwards compatible. So imported him to Mass Effect 2, but I had to play him as a soldier in Mass Effect 2 because Mass Effect 2, you get the Revenant and the Revenant is the, the most beautiful thing. It, it's just Absolutely. Delightful. So I, I did that, um, got, through, got through Mass Effect 2, imported him to Mass Effect 3. Um, I could play him as a Vanguard in Mass Effect 3 because you can have you can do whatever you want there with their weapon system. And uh, played through up to, like, uh, just before you're going to go kill Cerberus, I then I did all of the DLC. I did the Omega DLC, and I did the Leviathan DLC. Did you and do Citadel? I, that's what I'm going to say is I did Citadel, and then I stopped. <laughs> That's where the game ends for me. You know what? That was a good place to end it. So, you know. Like, like if you could do Citadel, then Cerberus, and just stop as you as you beat Cerberus and be done, that that's fine. And I, I'm not going to, like, begrudge. This is not a Bioware podcast, so I'm not going to, like, go on and on about this. But one thing Mass Effect 3 really taught me is the importance of a satisfying conclusion. Yes. And Hopefully Andromeda has that when it comes out later I, next year. I, I don't think Andromeda will have a conclusion. I think it's definitely going to end on a cliffhanger type thing. It's going to have, you know, to be continued. Maybe it will be its own trilogy, the start of uh, a second trilogy. They said they weren't going to think about it as a trilogy, but that they were going to consider doing more games. Maybe leave it and a little open-ended at the end then. The, the whole thing's about going to another galaxy. And, and this actually ties into the, the game we're going to talk about a little bit, because... Um, one of the things I like about Overwatch is the open-endedness of the setting, and one of the reasons I wish Blizzard would do uh, a, a kind of sandbox game in that milieu is because I like the openness of the Overwatch setting. Right. Well, I hadn't actually introduced that part yet, but since you mentioned it, we are going to be talking about Overwatch today, for people that are wondering. Um we're going to be talking about Sombra because Sombra was revealed at BlizzCon and we were going to be talking about her involvement with Talon, her origins, and the peculiar connection between the various corporations that have been introduced in Overwatch and what that might mean for the story going forward. Before we get to that, though, um, I do need to talk about Loot Crate because we got I got the latest Loot Crate yesterday and... As you know from the last time that we talked about this on the show, the theme was magical and it had stuff from Doctor Strange, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Okay, so this thing was full of actually like some really cool stuff. The t-shirt was a it was a Fantastic Beasts t-shirt. It was like an Obliviator t-shirt. And then it also came with a Doctor Strange Q-Fig. The Q-Figs are... They're sort of like the pop vinyls, except that they're really, they're way more detailed. Um, I got one before when Deadpool came out. There was one in that loot crate. And this one is actually Doctor Strange himself, and he looks really cool. And that's actually my favorite thing out of the box. Other thing that came, other things that came out of the box, there was a faux leather-bound Game of Thrones journal that's like black leather and silver stamped on the front and back. Um, it's a ruled journal. It's blank. I can fill it with whatever. I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, and then there was also a comic. And Rossi, I feel like you would understand this comic maybe more than most. It's like a crossover. It's called Clash of the Cult Classics. And it's basically a crossover between Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. 
Yeah. <gasps> Joe, Joe okay, Joe gets this much. too. Okay, so, oh so, my god, I need this! Okay, so what it is, is it's like Jack Burton and Snake Plissken are both in this comic. Like they've oh, both so been, meta. They've both been brought into this reality and they're supposed to go save something or other. And yeah, they interact with each other and it's actually kind of interesting. This is this is volume, uh, or this is issue one of six, so apparently this was a six-part miniseries. Um, I... I I don't know where the other parts are. I know that I was very confused, but I was also highly entertained because the art in it is actually like pretty fantastic. It looks like Kurt Russell. It's really weird. I wonder if that's I'm just the, hoping the that every every book after is just another character Kurt Russell played. I don't know. I don't know. Or or I'm possibly curious. Snake from from Metal Gear Solid shows up. I don't well, know. This, there, there was a big. There is a big trouble in Little China comic run going on right now. Okay. Well, this is Boom Studios, so. But um, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if this is a, they're, they're doing, I believe they're the ones that are doing the actual comic as well. Yeah, and I think they're probably doing the rest of the six issue run. Um, I think that this was just, it was a, a special edition that was released for, for Loot Great. Yeah, they do that a lot. Yeah, but I, so it's kind if of an introductory get, thing. I wonder if that means we're going to get an escape from series of comics. Yay! Well, there's, like I said, there are six issues in the series, and I've only got issue one here. It was really kind of confusing to me, but delightful in a confusing kind of way. The other thing that came with this, and I'm really, I'm kind of excited about this. I don't play Elder Scrolls Online, right? I've always considered it, but I've never actually played it. However, the loot pin, every month Loot Crate comes out with a pin, a special pin that's in in the box. And this month's is, it's the Elder Scroll. It's like the Ouroboros logo from Elder Scrolls Online. And it's a loot pin, so it includes a code where if you enter it in on the website you get an Imperial Edition upgrade for free. Um, and that lets you play as an Imperial. I think you get a special horse mount, that kind of thing. So I might actually have to go check out Scrolls, uh, Elder Scrolls Online now just to like cash in on that <laughs> and see what that's all about. But yeah, with Loot Crate, it's basically, it's epic gear, housewares, and collectibles. Loot Crate has it. You know, if you want to geek out your pet, you could try Loot Pets. Uh, there's also a Loot Crate DX if you want a Deluxe Edition upgrade, which is pretty cool. Um, if you're more into, like, fashion and that kind of thing, they have Loot Wear Crates, which is specifically wearables. So, like, t-shirts, socks, that kind of thing. December's. December's rebellious theme is Revolution. And it includes exclusive items from Assassin's Creed because we've got the Assassin's Creed movie coming out. I don't know about you guys, but I am immediately going to go see that the second it comes out. We've also got, uh, it's also got items from Firefly. There's the monthly t-shirt and pin. There's stuff from Mr. Robot. And there's also an exclusive Funko Pop vinyl figure in this box. So for December's box, you can go to lootcrate.com slash lpod that's l-p-o-d and enter the code lpod l-p-o-d to save three dollars off on any new subscription if you want december's loot crate you need to sign up by december 19th at 9 p.m pacific um and yeah i highly recommend it i mean if you're looking for some kind of unique christmas gift for your friends or if you just want to get it for yourself that's cool too but there's all kinds of cool stuff in these things so yeah loot crate you want to get yourself set up with Loot Crate, lootcrate.com slash LPOD, enter the code LPOD, save $3 off. So this week on Lore Watch, we are going to be talking about Overwatch. We're going to be talking about Sombra. I wrote a Know Your Lore about Sombra where uh, we were talking about her origins because, as I had hoped, she hacked the BlizzCon opening ceremonies. 
<laughs> and arrived. And not only did she arrive, she arrived with a brand new uh, animated short, Infiltration, where it became incredibly clear that Sombra is not necessarily a good guy, but not necessarily a bad guy either. She kind of seems to be walking the line between the two. What do you guys think? She's, uh, I mean, she's definitely sort of there for her an agenda we don't fully understand yet um we have the the sort of little snippets of this is the general thing she's going for um and she definitely catches me as a person who would do anything she needs to to get to where she is uh, or where she needs to be and uh it's very apparent in the opening sequence uh that you get that uh, that that sort of image of her um that actually is one of the reasons she has quickly become probably my favorite character in Overwatch. Uh, not just because she's, you know, Hispanic, but because she's, you don't know what her end game is yet. And I think that's entirely fascinating in a world of black and white heroes and villains. She's kind of the conundrum that walks the line between yeah. the two and nobody's quite sure what she's up to. Rossi, what do you think? Um, well, I was, I'm more interested in like the conspiracy that she's supposedly trying to undercover, uncover. Yeah, That's, and that kind of ties into her origins, and maybe we should talk about those a little bit. Um, well, there's the whole. I mean, basically, she's the result of the whole Omnic crisis. Yeah, she the, was an um, orphan. Yeah, the Omnic crisis destroyed a lot of places. It did a lot of damage to the world infrastructure. It's if you think about it, if you want to think about it in terms of like the kind of destruction we saw during World Wars One and Two. That's the kind of thing you're talking about, where like generations ended up orphaned, um, lots of people died. There's there's destruction, reconstruction, that whole kind of thing. And one of the things I thought interesting was that it gave more of an reading about up on her gave more of a like a I don't want to say an edge, but more of a reason to exist for Los Muertos because they're not just a gang or even just a big narco cult or whatever. They're that's, actually, they're more than that. Yeah. That's what I found really interesting in particular. Um, so Sombra, Sombra was a child of the Omnic crisis. And I really, I think the whole reason that I, I like her origin story so much is because like, you know, I kick around fanfic ideas all the time. I kick around short story ideas all the time. And one of them was about, like, the children of the Omnic Crisis. Both those that were kind of left abandoned after the effects of the Omnic Crisis and those that were born immediately after the Omnic Crisis ended. Like, what happened to those people? How did those people grow from this thing that happened? In Sombra's case... She was an orphan and she was kind of left to her own devices and she was left to fend to for herself as best she could using whatever talent she had at her disposal. And the talent that she had was hacking. Um, that's what she was really good at was getting information. So she fell in with Los Muertos. And what's interesting about Los Muertos is that, you know, from the hero animated short... We thought it was just a gang, right? A gang that was down on Omnics, kicking them around, that kind of thing. They were not good guys, obviously, because Soldier 76 appeared to be after them for some reason. But in Sombra's origin, it's kind of expanded because these guys actually consider themselves, speaking of revolution, these guys consider themselves revolutionaries who basically represent those that were left behind by the Mexican government after that whole devastation that was, you know, thrown the whole country, I mean, most of the world, but Mexico in particular was thrown completely into devastation by the Omnic Crisis. They were left without power. They were left without anything, you know, they were left to fend for themselves. And the government apparently didn't take the, how do we want to call it? 
they didn't take the people who needed the help the most and give them the help that they thought that they should be getting. They kind of overlooked them and went it's, for. It's very similar to the real life parallels of what happened after World War II. Where, yeah, a little bit. Where you had companies that saw to sought to sort of fill these gaps and under the guise of rebuilding, but they were plays for power and money. And and that's what it was, right? And and that's what I think is what you're you're getting at with Los Muertos is they're a populist gang. They're not a gang of thugs. They're not just evil, you know, people that are out there to do harm. Well, they're there trying to get power back to the people. If you know about the history of like groups like the Shining Path and so forth, there's or you know revolutions throughout the world. There's always groups like that. They exist on the fringes of their respective civilizations or respective cultures, and they they appeal to this affected whether you call them a militia or a gang or a terrorist movement depends on like what you think about them but in this particular case los muertos is very much in that line they're very similar to that where they're basically angry at seeing you know wealth being concentrated into a relatively few hands they're not rebuilding the country for everybody they're rebuilding the country for the rich and the the rich get all the contracts the rich get all their reconstruction benefit goes decrees to them and there's you know there's, could, are they still being manipulated? You know, are they being used by other people? You know, it's hard to say. We don't know a lot about it yet. But I just thought it was interesting because it makes Los Muertos more than just a gang. They they, they pose more of a threat and they're more interesting. Like, they're more they interesting and they do have a point because you look at uh, the president of Mexico at that point in time was Guillermo Portero. Am I pronouncing that right, Joe? I'm probably Guillermo Portero. Guillermo. 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 Yeah. Guillermo Portero, who was not only the president of Mexico at the time, but he was also the CEO of Lumerico. And Lumerico was a company that was basically brought in to rebuild and and like reconstruct the power supplies in Mexico by putting these giant nuclear power plants all up and down. And it just seems kind of shady that the president of the country is also the CEO of the company mm-hmm. that is doing the most business in Mexico. You know, there, there, there's a lot going on there. So it seems like Los Muertos has a point, which makes me wonder, why was 76 after them? What was he doing? What was he doing? What, was he... Was he in Hero? Was he in Mexico because he was trying to figure out what Los Muertos was up to? Or was he there looking for Sombra? Or was he there for some other reason? And why was he there? Because 76's origin story seems to be that he is looking for the reason why Overwatch had its downfall. Mm -hmm. So he feels like, for some reason, Mexico ties into that. So now I'm wondering... Was it Los Muertos that was tying into Overwatch's downfall, or was it actually Lumerico itself? Was it these corporations that were banding together and working together? Because Lumerico had ties with Vishkar, which were uncovered, and Vishkar was seedy in and of itself, because you have Vishkar was working over in Rio de Janeiro, and in Symmetra's, in Symmetra's comic... Uh, and I forget the name of the comic, but the one where she goes to Rio de Janeiro and she's working with the president and she they basically want to construct buildings and kind of ignore all of the poor people in the process and end up stepping on a lot of the poor people and killing a lot of the poor people. And that's when Lucio comes in and kind of leads that whole revolutionary thing. Um, Vishkar, we know Vishkar is seedy and Vishkar is working with Lumerico and Lumerico appears to be seedy. 
And then in this infiltration, this animated short, all of a sudden Volskaya is brought into the picture. And Volskaya might actually be a little seedy. It looks like it's going to be a little seedy. And somewhere in the middle of all of this is Sombra, who at a certain point in her hacking career uncovered a conspiracy. We are not told what this conspiracy is, but we are told that as a result of her being found out, she went into hiding, erased her identity. We don't know who she was before she became Sombra, but she had cybernetic upgrades put into place so that she could more effectively hack things. And now she's kind of working on her own thing, whatever that own thing happens to be. So I guess what I should be asking here is what do you guys think that conspiracy is? What do you think's going on here? There is something bigger going on. Well, it's either connected to Volskaya or somehow being in control of the person who runs Volskaya will benefit her in some way. She wants, she hasn't, she basically has leverage on the head of Volskaya. Now I can't remember the woman's name. I'm sorry. Um, but you saw in the short, she has leverage on her now and she intends to use it to further Katya. She tends to use it to further her goals would, of discovering who it is who almost killed her. Because that's the thing. They didn't just find her. They almost killed her. Like, she didn't – it says right up front in her origin that they completely compromised her security. They came after her. Um, and so that, was, that makes it interesting that she's working with Talon even if she's doing so to manipulate them because it then means it wasn't Talon. You know, If it was Talon who came after her to kill her, they'd just do it again. Uh, unless they didn't know that the super genius hacker that they discovered once was this new super genius hacker. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they'd, they'd be suspicious of that. It's I'm, really kind of it's it's this weird tangled sort of web, isn't it? Not really. I think it's a mutually mutually beneficial relationship for Talon. And while Talon may not know what they've gotten wholesale with her. I mean, when you're trying to wage your own sort of shadow war of assassinations and and sort of bring the world back to what your view of of what it should be is having somebody who hacked. Let, let's be honest. She hacked the planet. At one point, she can she set off a complete chain of global hacking. You want that person on your team, or at least as much as you can assume that they're on your team, because that person is useful. And yes, you take, but, but and you, if, you have to if, take into consideration though that yes, she may she may do her own thing, but does the benefit outweigh the the con there? That's not the thing. The, the thing I'm saying is that that's that's how you know Talon isn't the people who came after her the first sure. time, because if it was, they'd kill her because they tried to kill her once already. Those guys, whoever they are. She knows enough about them that they want her dead. Mm -hmm. If it was Talon, they'd kill her. Right. But it, it, they're not trying to kill her, so it's not Talon. So whoever the global conspiracy is, and I think it's, you know, Anne already mentioned one of the players, quite frankly. Uh, Lum I can't say their name. Lumineris? Like the name of the company? Lumerico. 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 That's one of them. Uh, these companies, I, th I honestly think it has something to do with how the Omnic crisis really happened. Same here. I, I believe that feel like too. I feel like what we're looking at here, because, okay, let's let's put these puzzle pieces together. There, there's some pieces that are that are kind of it, it feels like they've been made a little more obvious as far as Talon is concerned. If you go all the way back to um, the first Overwatch comic that came out, the train job, the McCree one, McCree makes a note as he's watching these guys fight that they look like they're using methods that were used by Blackwatch back when he mm -hmm. was with Blackwatch. So there's every implication there that Talon is basically, that's what Blackwatch grew into, maybe as part of that whole, you know. 
I don't know about inner that workings word. of Overwatch. Well, see, here's the thing: is we know that Reyes and I have theories. Morrison, we know that they were butting heads, and we know that there were things going on within Overwatch that were kind of like getting the attention of the global community, and that was part of what brought Overwatch down was the fact that that people thought that Overwatch was internally corrupt. If Blackwatch evolved into Talon here, if if they actually like joined forces with Talon at some point, because Talon did exist beforehand. Talon existed before Overwatch's downfall. They were fighting Talon outright. I mean, Gerard LaCroix was fighting Talon outright. That was how he died. That was how his wife became yeah. Widowmaker. So one, one thing, though, the problem, the reason I don't entirely agree with what you're saying is because the entirety of Blackwatch doesn't have to have evolved into Talon or joined with Talon because Talon has Reyes working for them. Mm-hmm. And he taught them. He was a leader. He could train them. Yeah, he could easily just be training Talon guys to fight like Blackwatch. It's not like Blackwatch wasn't effective. Why wouldn't they want to, to learn those techniques? So, I still feel like Talon was probably a hand, or at least it, it, it took in. I don't think that it just took in Reyes. Yeah, I think it wonder, took though. in those people but what if it wasn't? who were working, deliberately working against Overwatch. And I think that there were internal people deliberately working against Overwatch. And that's what brought it down. It brought it down from the inside. It was both inside and outside. And what I'm looking at here, and what I'd like to suggest here, is that the Omnic Crisis, what happened with the Omnic Crisis, what began the Omnic Crisis, was something that maybe Overwatch hadn't really uncovered they just put a stop to it, but they didn't they didn't figure out what caused it to begin with. And maybe they were on the brink of discovering that. And that's when things hit the fan. Um, See, my thing is, my thing is really simple. Um, Talon is too much like Cobra. And every time I see them, I think to myself, this is what you'd create if you had a global conspiracy going and you wanted to distract these guys. This is the group you'd make. And that's why I think Talon isn't pulling the strings and that's why i think no, they are pulling the strings what i'm saying is that they are working for whatever whatever this this global conspiracy thing is that sombra uncovered i think talon is working for them and i don't that's think talon's Som- even working for them i think talon is a step is like literally talon is the thing you make to distract everybody and i think sombra's working with them because she knows that yeah that's and she's was... going to she's going to use that to get another rung case. up on the ladder. I really don't think that that's a. I, I think well, it. Well, I hold really, on a second. They have to get. They have to be getting their their money and armaments from somewhere. They're not government funded. No government is claiming ownership for them. No. They have. They have incredibly advanced technology, not just from you know what What's the Reaper. Farah works for is Farah Lumerico as well. Farah is not Lumerico. Farah Farrah, is I'm sorry. Symmetra. I meant yes. Symmetra is working for Vishkar. Vishkar. So, We've got Vishkar out there, and they're, they're have... messing around with like the advanced light-based technology. We've got who made the stuff that Lucio was using? Uh, he stole stuff from Vishkar. Yeah. So you've got Vishkar, where Lucio stole his gear from, and where uh, Symmetra gets her stuff from. You've got Lumerico. There's others out there. There's the company originally, the Omnic Crisis, and the Omnium. That was a company. You know. Well, here's okay. So so let let me get my thoughts out here without without being interrupted in the middle of them, right? Okay, so this is what I think that we're looking at. Once upon a time, we had the Omnic crisis. It started. The Omnics revolted. There was something going on where they they got out of control. 
and Overwatch was founded and brought together to fight this Omnic crisis and bring a halt to it. Once they brought a halt to it, they were pretty much, you know, the light of everybody's eyes. I feel like what brought that Omnic crisis around in the first place is possibly the same thing that's bringing around the second Omnic crisis. So if we're what we're looking at here is a global conspiracy between global corporations, corporations like Volskaya, like uh, Lumerico, like Vishkar, not necessarily Volskaya even though, but uh, companies like Vishkar, companies like Lumerico, if they were somehow involved in what brought the Omnic crisis around to begin with, right? They would be very interested in stopping anything that's going to either uncover that involvement or bring a stop to that. Because we've got that second Omnic crisis going on in Russia. Where was the one place that Overwatch was not involved? It was Russia. They took care of the problem themselves. So is it possible that Katya, Katya Volskaya in her dealings with Omnix to get this technology to kind of like bring the whole thing in a line, she's on the verge of discovering whatever it was that Overwatch was, was on the verge of discovering. Is that why they put Talon on her butt and said, we need to take her out? That's why I think that Talon is involved with all of this, is because Talon, at every point that Talon appears in this Overwatch story, it's either something to do with Overwatch or something to do with Omnics. Omnics that are getting too close to whatever the truth happens to be. Peace is bad for business. Maybe? So I have a couple thoughts on this, and, and they may be a that's little scary. That's actually scattered. a so good I, thought. That's so a, that's I, so a I, good quote, Joe. <laughs> so you have the original Omnic Crisis, which was the entire uprising of a, of a robotic population that was originally created to bolster production, right? Um, why wouldn't you want production to be bolstered because it's being bolstered in such a way that you're losing control of it. Create a crisis, hack the system or cause a corruption of that system that makes them violent or pits them against it or reveal to them the truth that there are human, uh, there are actual humans out there seeking to, uh, in, I don't know, enslave them or, or enslave the population or do something un unspeakable. I mean, a machine has cold, hard logic. It could be either that they were infected or it could be that they looked at it and said, we need to go to these places and we need to attack before we get attacked because here it's coming. Um, so I'm pretty sure that everybody everybody inside of that original Omni crisis was played middle against the ends. Somebody benefited from that. And it's all those people that benefited in the aftermath of, the, of recovery from it. We took at this global conspiracy. Theoretically, it's going to be monetarily based, economically motivated, at least in my mind, because there's money in rebuilding. There's money in war. There's money in suffering. Um, there's power. America has been things. making money hand over fist. Vishkar so has as... been making money hand over fist. The only one that hasn't really, I mean, Volskaya, has Volskaya been making money? Yes, but it's all been internalized to Russia because Russia wanted nothing to do with Overwatch. But, they took care of their own things. Sure. But, and, and this is why I think it has something to do with that because um, if Volskaya is working with the Omnics to trade information back and forth and seek, for lack of a better term, peace, Killing her, killing Katya, erases that. It puts them back at odds with each other. You don't have to worry about London. London hates Omnics. You don't have to worry about... London you know, definitely hates Omnics now that uh, we now had that the assassination of... Who was preaching what? Peace. Yeah, peace who between Omnics and people. And had a really good following. Murder him or murder it, whatever. I don't know what the gender pronoun for, for the Omnic was. Um, but you murder that, now you destabilize that and go back to these these wars. Everybody blames everybody else. And there's infighting, there's there's 
sort of disruption. Um, even Los Muertos, like they they're taking the Mexico back, trying to give it to the people. But what if you know Soldier Seventy Six is being manipulated too? What if he's being fed intel? We know that it's happened before. Uh, look at the look at the whole thing with uh, Hakim and the seventy what is it seventy billion dollar bounty on the masked bandit um, when he was trying to hunt down Anna. Of course, that's going to lure in Soldier Seventy Six and and get him that. What what happens if he's picking up on intel or or uh, cross chatter that he thinks is real and acting on it when it's actually not? It's actually d- designed to make him go places. Like all of a sudden, he catches up chatter that Los Muertos is planning to cause a nuclear meltdown. I feel of course like, he's going to. Of course, he's going to show up. I, so, I, I feel like that Talon. If Talon isn't necessarily working directly for this global conspiracy, they are, but maybe they don't know that they are. You know what I mean? Well, that's what I meant when I said that I thought that talent yeah. was the perfect thing to create to mask it. If you have a global conspiracy that's shadow, that's a shadow organization manipulating the world to its own ends, talent is great because they're the public face. They're the the people that you know. They're the public. Overwatch, oh, those are the bad guys. Overwatch is going to go after them, and while they're going after them, you keep doing what you're doing. Um, it's 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 essentially to to bring it over to World of Warcraft for a second. It's the old Shadow Council horde trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The horde, the horde's the public face. The horde are the rampaging horde of monsters that you fight. While you're busy fighting those guys, the Shadow Council does its evil business. It's the same kind of thing. We here's one of the things that really every time we talk about this, the thing that comes to mind with me is we still don't actually know if the Omnic Crisis was caused or just happened. Or just an accident? Yeah, we don't know. Did did some uh, did some of the omniums develop? Like some machine in one of the omniums somewhere develop self awareness? Did it just happen? Did they make a computer so complex that it thought started thinking? Obviously, I feel like I feel like it was it was somebody did something because it was crushed, right? Like the omnic crisis, it was over. The it was, was done crushed, with. But the omnics themselves aren't gone. No, and, and then and, we've got the second omnic crisis starting to happen all over again in Russia. And what was Russia? Russia was the one country that didn't depend on Overwatch or have anything to do with any outside countries. They dealt with things themselves. They were an island unto themselves. Whatever they did to resolve this crisis, it didn't involve the rest of the world, which also meant that whatever aftermath was left over, it didn't benefit the rest of the world. It didn't benefit companies like Vishkar. It didn't benefit companies like Lumerico because Russia handled it all on its own. Is that why Russia's got this second omnic crisis going on? Are they trying to force Russia's I hand? I think so, yeah. There's still, until we know, like, for instance, you know, we've got, like, Zenyatta and other omnics that are obviously self-aware. Straight up, Bastion was never designed to be self-aware. He, he just kind of stumbled into it. Bastion was a turret. I mean, that's literally what Bash. He was is. one of the war. He was one of the robots that were manufactured specifically for the purposes of furthering the war. He's he is literally a war machine that suddenly decided I don't want to be a war machine anymore. Which in of itself implies that the Omnics can keep going on that process, even when the the Omnics that design it, like the Omniums that design and build them, don't design and build them to do that. Even the the random individual Omnic can say, nah. You know, me and this bird kind of been talking. I, I like this bird. They've got and the capability for freedom of thought, which, which is, is kind of disturbing when you think about it. It's disturbing, but it also means that whoever is behind this, it's like, you know. They've underestimated you, what the Omnics are capable of. Or never intended this to be the case. Like, 
this is why I keep thinking this isn't something like when we're talking about this, I think the conspiracy is much less about profiting and much more about covering up. Yeah. Because I don't think these guys meant this to happen because it's going all sorts of weird places. You would never design, you know, I'm not designing my army of killer robots to stop being killer robots. That's not what, why would I do that? I want them to be killer robots. That's what they're for. Now my killer robot is like, you know, imagine if all the Bastion units did that during the war. They all decided, we like birds. Yeah, we do. We're, we, we all like birds, right? We all like this guy. Yeah, he's, he, that's the coolest bird I've ever seen. Let's all go hang out with the bird. Why are the robots leaving? And Mondada was kind of the face of that, Takartha Mondada. He was kind of the face of that whole movement. And so you have like, why assassinate him? Maybe they didn't kill him just to, to, to silence him. Maybe they killed him because they're afraid of him. Yeah. Because he, he is the living symbol of your problem. And he was the one that kind of engineered the whole omnic spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. And you've still got, like, you know, if you think about it, like... I mean, he was the head of the Shambhali, so... If you look at what Sombra has turned herself into, she's becoming more like an omnic... Every she's, like, time. half and half. She's this weird yeah. hybrid kind of thing. Like, she, more like so a, than Genji. Didn't you show... Like, I think you showed it, or maybe it was... It was either it was in your KYL or it was actually at BlizzCon. I was looking at it. There's panels from like her origin deal. Like there's a video that's like you know, it shows her life and shows her origins. And there's one part when she's getting the the cybernetic augmentations. Mm -hmm. You see them implanting them into her spine. Yep. Like she's got them all up and down her back. And her brain. It looks like too. Brain. Yeah. It, it's it's like it's fascinating to think like you know. The Omnic stuff is where this is all going. I just going. put the picture in, in Slack for you both. Yeah, it's, so it's it, it, it comes back to that like idea of, you know, a lot of Overwatch, you see it. You see it with Soldier 76, who is not becoming an Omnic, but he's becoming inhuman. Like, he is... He's given up a lot of like. How did he come back to life? Well, he's a super. He, they, they even make jokes of it when you look but at his, his yeah, voice lines. Like, what did they? Soldier. What did they inject me with? Like, he is a super soldier. What I find more interesting, like when you're looking at like the conspiracy side of things, is the image in in Sombra's origin where she has everything laid out, so to speak, with the wires. And I just linked that. In yeah, too. because if you look at it, the symbol that the sort of Eye of Sauron esque thing that saw her when she was looking at it is smack dab in the middle and look at all those direct lines lumerico is a direct line uh volskaya is a direct line with a branching path to um uh, god the one that that was uh katya and... yeah, well not just katya i'm talking about the the org the the company from uh utopia vishkar so you have vishkar there as well um look how close talon is there's a direct line to talon well, um, look at look you, at you the know, direct line to overwatch when you look at that when you look at that when you look at that image there what you see there is that the closest thing to that global conspiracy and that global conspiracy is symbolized by that eye that's the eye that saw her that's the eye that caused her to disappear the closest thing to it is talon it's also, like right there if you also notice, one of the interesting things is that she put Reaper closer to Overwatch than she did to Talon. Yeah, and the other thing that I find kind of fascinating, too, is if you look, there is an interlinking branch between, I believe, that is Vishkar and Talon, and in between the two is Doomfist. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to be hearing more about Doomfist soon. I hope that we do. Well, there's two different. It looks like there's two different mention or references to Doomfist because there's also one lower between Talon and. Uh... 
in Vishkar, it looks like. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, like that, there's, a, there's that interconnecting thread between the two. So where did Doomfist fall in all of that? And given the appearance of you know the Doomfist, and you saw the posters, how there were like three different ones, that kind of thing. If you go to, um, uh, oh gosh, what's that map? Zum, zum, no. You know the one I'm talking about. There's a map with the museum, and you're escorting the payload, and the payload. Huh? Is it Mumbai? I don't know. No, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one in Africa? I'm not sure. Anyway, um, the payload. The Doomfist is on the payload. You're escorting the Doomfist to the site of the museum, right? It's this powerful thing. It also showed up in the Overwatch, you know, the launch trailer. There was Doomfist there at the museum, and... Widowmaker and Reaper were trying to get their hands on it. Like, they wanted it for some reason. That's the other thing that's interesting to me, because if you watch the direction that Talon has gone, like, the actions that they have taken and the steps that they have taken, I guess I guess unraveling the conspiracy and what that conspiracy is, you kind of have to look at those steps and ask yourself, why are they making those? See, and, here's the thing. That's one of the things that I was, th- was thinking about from the beginning. Right. That's one of the reasons why I think Talon isn't necessarily like aware of what it's doing. And I think Reyes's relationship with Talon isn't quite what we think it is. Here's the thing. Reyes and, and Morrison had their falling out. They had whatever happened between them. Then they both basically died and turned into what they are. Right? Do, can we agree on that? That's yes. basically the case. Here's the thing I've been thinking all along. How do we know Reyes and... and and uh, Soldier 76 have had their falling out. How do we really know, you know, what Well, if you if? look at the Ana no, no. comic, if you go to the Ana comic, they actually meet up again. Yeah. And it's very clear that they still don't like each other at except, all. Except if Reyes is working really deep cover, they wouldn't be friendly because that would blow it. Uh, do you think that he's really working undercover? I'm not saying he is, but that that picture of all the various things... Why does Sombra put Reyes so close to Overwatch and so far away from Talon when he's been working for Talon this whole time? Why is he closer to Overwatch than Talon? That's uh, the second I saw that I started thinking what he might not even be working for Overwatch or deep cover in that way. He may be just have decided on his own. All right, I'm going to see what's up with Talon. I'm going to see why I ended up dying. I'm going to see what the, the rot in Overwatch was. And maybe he and Morrison are basically both doing like here's the thing. He and Morrison have always been this way where they both have the same goal, but completely different ways of achieving it from the beginning. That's how they've they've interacted with each other. And maybe they, that whole, oh, I'm mad at the golden boy thing was like a facade. Or maybe he is mad at the golden boy and he's going to show him up. He's going to go and and, you know, he's working for talent now because, he you know, what does he have to lose? I mean, the guy, he's literally a walking. He's dead. got he's got nothing to lose. Right now. But he wants to know, if he wants to know what happened to him, uh, there's two ways to to work at that. One way would be to just basically find Mercy, strap her to a table somewhere, and ask her some pointed questions until she answered him. But he can't really get to her. But if he can get, you know, if he can get his way through, work his way through Talon, if Talon is connected to whoever the rot in Overwatch was, if it wasn't Reyes... Like, if, like, Reyes has been basically painted as the villain in all this. If he's not, well, he'd be the only one to know he wasn't, wouldn't he? Imagine him going, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah, because it's not like he's going to go to Widowmaker and say, hey, by the way, I'm working for the good guys. That's a terrible yeah. idea. She's been brainwashed. Yeah, but, and imagine if you're him. If, if you are Reyes, 
you're you're sitting there going, okay, I know I didn't actually do all this, but no one's going to believe that I didn't do all of it. So what? I'll use it. And, I might and as well just lean into it. Yeah, and and find out who's really behind everything. Ah, that's such a good idea. I was actually going to bring that same point up because that's been bothering me since Reaper was first introduced. Because in every short we ever see of him, he never actually murders anybody, and he has plenty of opportunity to do so. And he's like yeah. he could have murdered. He had Winston dead to rights. Why didn't he murder Winston? He had he's had Soldier seventy six dead to rights a couple of times at this point. Why didn't he do anything? Like it's and if it's, you follow if you follow the path of Talon, mm-hmm. Talon Talon just appears. It, it's like their trail is kind of muddied because we first see them. Well, we see them in the train job where they're trying to get some sort of relic or artifact or something mm-hmm. from the train. McCree just tosses it off the train and says, "Here, you guys take it. Leave the civilians alone." And then you see. In recall, he's deliberately he's trying to get access to the list of all of Overwatch's agents. Yep. That's what he's trying to do there. And he was unable to successfully do that. In Alive, they were sent to assassinate Takartha Mandata, and they did that successfully. They pulled it off. On the Ilios it was it was Widowmaker. Yeah. But on the Ilios map, on the Ilios map, Talon's trying to steal artifacts in Ilios for some reason. We don't know why. And then in Volskaya, they're trying to take out Katya Volskaya. They're trying to they're trying to kill her, and they weren't successful with that. Widowmaker was actually ordered to stay outside while Sombra and Reaper worked yeah. on the inside. So, yeah. <laughs> do you think Reaper's in on it with Sombra? Like, does I, Sombra know I, that Reaper? No, no. I, I think first off, if I'm Sombra, I'm not trusting that guy. Exactly. Yeah. And if I'm Reaper, probably I'm not, not a good idea. <laughs> if I'm Reaper, I'm not trusting anybody because exactly. I don't. If Reaper is on, if Reaper is in fact just what he appears on the surface, then he doesn't trust anybody because he's bitter and you know hates everything. If he's in fact trying to work them to find out what happened, he's absolutely you know he trusted the people in Overwatch and look what happened to him. He's falling apart. You know, there's that. The, he's the, in a perpetual state of falling apart and being yeah. put back together again, whether yeah, he, he likes it or not. So if you're the super soldier program, I guess. If you're him, you absolutely, you got to be at least a little bitter. I mean, even if he and Morrison are kind of working the same job from different sides, you got to be a little bitter. Morrison still seems to be more or less human. See, and in my in my brain, that's part of what, at least the way that I I envision it, that was part of their initial argument between the two was, you know, maybe Reyes was the first person to get injected and it wasn't exactly great. And he found out that he was falling apart on top of all this other stuff. And then he gets blamed for all these horrible things because obviously he's unstable. And Morrison, who has no side effects from the same program in his brain's like, well, I'm fine. Clearly, you're fine. You have to be lying. Like, you can't possibly be telling me the truth. So that's, to me, that's what, like, in my brain, that's what the argument started as. And then it just escalated from there. It's a little weird, too, because you look at it, Reaper Reaper and Morrison both, they both survived this thing that should have, by all rights, killed them. And they were both a part of this super soldier program that we really, we didn't hear a whole lot about. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like there was something more going on there. And I know in Reaper's in Reaper's origins it says that it's speculated that Reaper was the byproduct of failed genetic alteration which forced his cells to simultaneously decay and regenerate at a hyper accelerated rate. But what if it didn't? That's why the miss. 
what what if it what if it wasn't failed? What if that was always the intention, or what if that was his mutation? Like, what if it's a mutating agent? Like, so what like I want to know or, is, and that and that was his power all along. What I want to know is the organization that did this whole super soldier program. What happened to them? Are they still around, or were they part? Of that whole Vishkar Lumerico cahoots thing well, going on. We know we know that Mercy was involved. Mercy, Mercy was well. Mercy came in after. No, Mercy, she, Mercy had nothing to do after. No, no, it's not not in the Super Soldier stuff. She's involved specifically in what ki- almost killed Morrison and Reaper mm-hmm. and Reyes. She's involved in that because she did something, and that's why they're alive, and that's why her whole line about heroes never die. That's hooked into that. She's involved somehow, but. He can't get to her to ask her what she did. Did she do something that interacted with it? And did it interact badly with it in his case? Did she, you know, because there's like a lot we still don't quite understand. We don't know, like, for instance, um, oh, I can't, Ana Amari, her, her gun was designed by, you know, by Torbjorn, right? Yeah. But, with, but it was based on Mercy's principles, the same devices she uses to heal people. Yeah, it was the biotic rifle. And so Morrison's got those biotic grenades. So... Clearly, there's, you know, this there's a lot going on here that we don't quite understand yet. What what is the deal? Is is biotic stuff like the opposite of Morrison? I mean, of of Reyes? Is I don't that know. Is, is he literally going through the opposite process? Like, basically, what's happening is he's decaying and feeding off of other people's life forces. There's just like so much going on here, but I really do think that Reaper is more complex than we've seen yet. There's more going on with him. I agree. Just yep. because of that Sombra, the Sombra thing where she's got him right next to Overwatch really has me curious. There's a whole lot that's going on there where it's like, I, I just, I feel like there's this, there's this giant tangle of story there that we're slowly going to see like pulled apart into its various pieces until it's all laid out and it all makes sense. I'm wondering though, if this has to do with why first strike was canceled because first strike overwatch first strike was a graphic novel that was supposed to come out it was supposed to be released in digital format this month and it turns out that it was canceled entirely and what it was going to tell the story of it was going to tell the story of the formation of overwatch and everything that happened with the first omnic crisis it was canceled and we were told that it was because they wanted to take the story in a different direction so you know you get the sense that they are building this as they go Obviously, like Overwatch's story, they are building it as they go. They are putting the building blocks together as they go. But the story that they're building is a really compelling story, and I kind of like what they're doing with it so far. I I went and looked it up, by the way. Uh It wasn't a corporation that did the uh, soldier program, the soldier enhancement program. It was the government? It was the U.S. Army. Okay, it was the U.S. Army. All right. Um, Which which makes sense since they were fighting, but the, the two, you know... But yeah. who came up with the technology for that program? I'm assuming you know it was contracted, but we'll find out eventually. Yeah. Uh, but one one of the things that's interesting here is there were more than just those two. Morrison and Reyes were the most prominent guys. But there but were plenty others. There there's were other plenty people. of there's plenty of blank silhouettes on everything we've been seeing that refers to to heroes or, or identities, even on Sombra's map and and even beforehand when uh, we were doing recall. Like there's plenty of of faces we don't know who they are yet. And it's going to be interesting and seeing. There's like there's there's the other thing that's interesting too is we haven't even talked about the Jo8 yet, which is on the map and it's also one of the one of the programs that came out in response to the Omnic Crisis. The Jo8 was the uh, Crusader armor. Yeah. The Crusaders War, and that's basically Reinhardt. If you you've seen Reinhardt in game, Reinhardt is a Crusader. That's what he's wearing, and that's like 
there's you know what is that he's isn't he on her map too like isn't his head up there thought it was but i i don't have it open i don't think i see no i don't see him on there um the people that i do see on there no wait he is he's on there uh reinhardt's on there torbjorn's on there you've got tracer winston are connected together there's a little branch off and the little branch off has Mercy, you can see sort of see part of Mercy along with Genji, and I'm assuming that that's branching off to Hanzo. And yeah, it looks like it's Hanzo up there he, by the. That looks like it's yeah. his family's. That's the two dragon symbol right by there. There's Genji just above. Uh, isn't that Genji just above Morrison? It is, yeah, and when you follow that to he's the. He's nestled the two in with Morrison symbol. and Mercy. Yeah, because M- Mercy is the one who saved Genji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By completely reconstructing him. It's a little yep. odd. It's just, well, it's a little odd. And you've got, she saves Morrison. She saves Reyes. She saves Genji. What, did she use the same process? Maybe. We don't know. Well, Genji don't is know much more. Mercy's up to. Genji is like, like this is almost as reconstructed as Sombra is, like in terms of implants and technology. But Sombra went out and did it to herself. And she did it on the black market, near as we can tell. She didn't have Mercy. She just did it. She went out and found people. And used Mercy, her connections Mercy, Mercy got her position. Like she, she became head of surgery at that Swiss hospital that she was at before Overwatch. And this was like, she became the head of surgery at that Swiss hospital. And then she pioneered a breakthrough in the field of applied nanobiology, which was basically, it, it was, it was nanobiology. It, it's like taking, you know, omnic pieces or whatever it's it's doing exactly what she did with genji yeah i mean something... this is like her field of expertise is that kind of thing i don't think mercy's a bad guy though because i think it's been reiterated more than once that that mercy she's not a bad guy nothing that she's doing she's the stuff that she's doing she's doing because she believes in the preservation of life like yeah. the biotic rifle she had strong objections i don't to know what about Torb- that no she, she brings... had strong objections to what torbjorn was doing because she said that she didn't she can okay. She said that this was setting Overwatch down a road that could lead to the weaponization of biotic technology, and that she'd only conducted research in the field on the condition that it would not be used for offensive purposes. She doesn't want anything to do with the attacking. She wants everything to do with the putting things back together and making things right. Yeah, and, just, and that's and that's just, fine. But there's another side of that coin. Like, there's a possible to swing too far in one direction to the point where you're reanimating corpses. How far is too far? Is yeah, that would be the applicable question there. But at the same time, I don't think that Mercy is doing any of this with any kind of like. You don't have to be the one doing purposes it. or anything. You don't have to be the one doing it. Once you invent a thing, it's out there. Yeah. Just because Mercy is the best at it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean she's the only one that's doing it. And, you know, once you've developed this applied nanobiology, once you have the, the, the biotic wet grenade, you know, he, uh, Morrison's dropping grenades that heal people. Um, once you've got that technology out in the world, other people are going to do something with it. We, we again we the problem we have is that there's a lot of unknowns. We we have a lot of things we know, we and we have a lot of things we don't know. But then we have things we don't even know we don't know. Yeah. And, and those are the best part. So I'm I'm interested in seeing like you know, we need to see more about Genji. I would love to see like a Genji uh Sombra interaction in some way, but to see to see basically what is she doing with this map? What is she trying to reconstruct? What is she looking for? Cuz that's the real secret. She knows more about it than she's showing. I think the biggest question in my mind, there are two here, but the biggest one and the one that I've been trying to unravel since Overwatch started coming out with all this delicious story is 
why did the Omnic crisis happen? Not how, why, why did it happen? And I haven't been able to untangle that one yet, but oh man, I'm working on it. (laughs) I don't even know if they've untangled it yet at Blizzard. Maybe that's something that's part of the story that they're building. I don't know. Um, All right, then. Uh, I think we're kind of actually over time a little bit, but I don't really care because this was a really fun discussion. (laughs) Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ad-free site experience. If you've got any questions for Lore Watch, and we will take questions, lore-related questions for any of Blizzard's titles, um, you can send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure that you put Lore Watch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show. And if you are totally interested in picking up Loot Crate, pick up December's rebellious theme, Revolution, and get exclusive items from Assassin's Creed, Mr. Robot, Firefly, monthly t-shirt and pin, and an exclusive Funko Pop. You can sign up for that at lootcrate.com slash LPOD and enter the code LPOD to save $3 off on any new subscription, which is pretty perfect for the holidays. So um, final thoughts, you guys. I have a question for you. Is Sombra a good guy or a bad guy? Rossi, go. Uh, if we were using D&D terminology, I would call her neutral. Okay. True neutral, straight up. She she is very selfish, so you can make True neutral or chaotic neutral? Mm, she's not very chaotic. I mean, she manipulates people, but she's not... The chaos is because they're falling into her plan. It's not her herself. She's pretty methodical, if you look at all the research she's doing. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, you can balance it out. I, I'm going to go with true neutral because she cares mostly about herself. Okay. Joe, same question. Is Sombra a good guy or a bad guy? Yes. Like, (laughs) honestly, she's whatever the situation needs her to be. She is fluid. Um, That's what I feel she is. She doesn't fall into one category or the other. Um, But I I wouldn't necessarily put her as neutral either. She'll swing whichever way will be most beneficial to herself. Come on, dude. I know you know who Mordenkainen is, and I know you know that that's exactly a description of him. Yes, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You're the one person that can freaking peg me. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and call it there. Um, As far as Samra goes, I don't know if she's a good guy. I don't know if she's a bad guy. I think it's fascinating how she walks the line between the two. And I really can't wait to see what other stories Overwatch has to tell as time goes on here. Um, Thanks for listening, you guys. And we will see you in two weeks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 